I'm excited to welcome Convy2X 2021 bronze sponsor and keynote speaker, Mr. Stuart Hansen, Chief Executive Officer of Avenir Health. Mr. Hansen is a lifelong strategist and innovator in healthcare and fintech. From the very beginning of his career, Stuart identified unique ways to leverage technology to improve processes and transform consumer experiences. As CEO of Avenir Health, he leads the team in building an inclusive network that solves the problem of interoperability by ensuring all stakeholders have equal and easy access to patient data when it's needed most. Prior to joining Avenir, Stewart served as head of healthcare payments and served as a senior healthcare executive at J.P. Morgan Chase. He led and negotiated the firm's largest acquisition in healthcare when acquiring Instamed in 2019. Previously, Stewart served as general manager of consumer payment solutions at Change Healthcare. He has also served in leadership roles for healthcare solutions at Citi and Fifth Third Bank. He chaired the HIMSS Revenue Cycle Improvement Task Force, focused on creating a vision for the next generation of revenue cycle management tools and processes to drive administrative cost containment, interoperability, and a better consumer experience. Stewart thrives on creating disruptive solutions that solve far-reaching problems. As part of his journey, he's become known for his ability to build highly effective teams with a focus on successfully impacting healthcare. Stewart holds a bachelor's degree in finance from the University of Illinois and an MBA from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. It is my pleasure to welcome Mr. Stewart Hansen to Conv2X. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'd like to thank all of you for registering for this important conference and also for attending. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, in particular Blockchain and Healthcare Today and Telehealth and Medicine Today for hosting this really important dialogue. We all know how healthcare is so desperately needs a blueprint for a new digital health era. Uh, it truly is an exciting time, and I'm excited to be here to kick off this awesome day of agenda. Just a little bit of background. I think we have all lived through at least most, if not hopefully almost all of the pandemic over the last year and a half. And it's highlighted for all of us as patients, as entrepreneurs, as caregivers, policy setters, innovators, technologists, et cetera, the desperate areas where our current system just simply does not work. It doesn't work for us as humans. It doesn't work for us as patients. It certainly didn't work for our caregivers the way it should have. Uh, and it doesn't work for our public policy uh, officials and agencies. Now, don't get me wrong. What has happened in the past 18 months, um, in particular, the quick uh, development and deployment of vaccinations, the medical care that was delivered in an unprecedented worldwide pandemic uh, is really nothing short of amazing. Uh, so kudos to all of our caregivers and medical professionals and medical administrators around the country that and innovators in the pharma space, et cetera, that have really buckled down and made this last year uh, as tolerable as it has been. It really has been amazing. What's daunting is the backdrop of the challenges that have been faced in making the great strides that we've seen. That's what's so discouraging. Uh, but I think for this group, for, for all of you coming to this important conference and for all the innovative speakers we're gonna see, that's what's really encouraging, right? There's so much opportunity for improvement. So. During the pandemic, here's some things we saw that were really kind of disheartening. 
we saw ambulances tra transporting patients with printouts and CD-ROMs of their medical records to go from one hospital to another, potentially even one hospital on the same EHR as the next, but lacking the important interoperability that would have made it seamless to transport the medical records electronically and more safely. We saw a lack of data fluidity, uh, inconsistent, untrusted data. We saw barriers to data being able to be accessed when needed. This all created more panic, more distrust, and helped set the stage for the politicalization, if you will, of our nation's healthcare system at this important time. Now, pandemic aside, we're all consumers in the U.S. of our own healthcare system. Uh, we've all been patients or had patients in our family uh, that we've been trying to get through this system. And I'll give you a couple personal examples. You know, I can't count the number of times, <clears throat> excuse me, that I've been to the basement of a hospital to get a CD-ROM of an image file to go get a second opinion for some time. Uh, I, I also had an emergency eye procedure uh, during the middle of the pandemic. And it was uh, encouraging to me that my coverage, my new coverage, because I shifted employers, uh, was easily accessible and easily verified by my healthcare provider. But it was very disheartening to see another patient being cared for by his younger son that was not able to get that same level of data fluidity and, and verification of his coverage. He needed a procedure that would help ensure that he didn't have a, a retinal detachment and his insurance agent had not been able to be reached uh, by the medical professionals that wanted to provide care. So he was in for his second appointment to try to have this laser procedure done and couldn't get it done because they hadn't verified his insurance yet. So those types of things are just the personal examples. You talk about bills that are confusing. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of stages that have been set to improve these things, uh, but a lot of barriers, and we'll talk a little bit about those. So our healthcare system is, is really continues to be broken uh, at the infrastructural level. Fortunately for us, the care delivery system works fabulously, uh, way better than the duct tape and aged infrastructure and technology debt behind the scenes. That said, we all feel that impact, and we all realize how inefficient some things uh, continue to be. Hence, all the important work that we're here to talk about. So we've got some exciting agenda topics today. We're gonna to talk about AI and machine learning, natural language processing, neural networking, open source coding, smart contracts, quantum computing, and of course, blockchain. We'll talk a lot about blockchain. And what's amazing is the group of speakers for each of these topics that are, that are set up for our agenda today. Uh, I always like to be in a room, I'll call it a virtual room, of people that are way smarter than I am. Uh, and that certainly holds true with this group of presenters. So let me move on. I'm gonna give a quick intro on myself. I know you heard a little bit of my intro background, uh, but I'm Stuart Hansen. I'm the CEO of an exciting company in this space at this really exciting time in healthcare. I'll share a bit more about Avenir later in, in the presentation, but I wanna make sure to focus the majority of this keynote session on setting context, uh, the important context for what you're all striving to achieve. Uh, three years ago, a group of large industry participants came together to explore the potential collaboration points around this topic of blockchain, and could blockchain reinvent the healthcare system and really be a game changer from a technology perspective. I think there are some important findings that came out of it, but two years into that three-year journey, they realized there really is some capability of blockchain to improve the healthcare ecosystem. Uh, there really are some great use cases where blockchain could be a really important 
part of uh, helping to solve that. And you know, the five companies you see around on the bubbles on this page around Avenir, Anthem, CVS Aetna, Centara Healthcare, Cleveland Clinic, and Healthcare Services Corp, which is Blue Cross and Blue Shield uh, to many of us in many states. Uh, they all came together and they realized there actually was a meaningful opportunity for improvement, leveraging blockchain, leveraging new technology to solve some of the inherent challenges that plague our industry. And they formed Avenir Healthcare. So we'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. But first, I want to talk about the bigger context. So let's talk about the macro context. Uh, on the page here to, uh, in front of you, you see just some really daunting statistics. The amount of dollars spent in the U.S. healthcare system is staggering. And I've only got data here shown through 2019. I don't know what the 2020 pandemic, uh, post-pandemic or pandemic era spending reached, but $3.8 trillion was spent in the U.S. healthcare system in 2019. So $3.9 trillion is, I, I think, impossible to imagine. So I try to put it in some kind of perspective, and I've been doing this for a number of years, and I'm really curious to see uh, you know, how this has evolved and, and, and happy to share it. So if the U.S. healthcare system was its own country, its own country in the, in the setting of global gross domestic product, um, $3.8 trillion would rank the U.S. healthcare system as the fourth largest country, if it were, in the world. The fourth largest country. Uh, the U.S. GDP is about 20 trillion, China 12 or so, Japan is almost five. And now, and I used to have, I think when I started this, the U.S. healthcare system was the sixth largest GDP. Now it is the fourth, right behind China. Uh, it's followed by Germany, India, the United Kingdom, and the rest of the, uh, the countries that you would expect. Um, but this is, this is truly an amazing and staggering statistic. But it gets even more daunting if you start to peel this back. If you look at the chart on the right, you see that in the U.S., more than 25, 30% uh, than any other country per person is spent on healthcare in the United States. And now we don't have the best outcomes, by the way. We don't have the world's leading healthcare outcomes. But I do believe we've got one of the world's greatest care delivery systems. I do believe we've got some of the most innovative uh, research-based, you know, uh, access to new care models, new pharmaceutical and drug therapies, et cetera. So I, I am very proud and very glad to be in the U.S. healthcare system. What I'm disappointed and maybe a little bit embarrassed about is the amount of that $4 trillion roughly that's estimated to be wasted. Um, so this is what makes those numbers so far out of whack. If 25% of that cost is wasted, on unnecessary spend, on administrative inefficiency or complexity, on excessive prices, fraud and abuse, we really do have a problem. A lot of this problem can be solved by the solutions and the innovations that we're talking about, but a lot of it can't, right? So why do we spend such outsized amount per capita? We arguably have the best research, the best access. We've got a really strong balance, in my opinion, of safety and government oversight and protection and administration, but we've also got really just an unprecedented amount of technology, process, um, infrastructure, um, debt associated with how our system operates. And I think that's because we, we, we built a system decades ago 
and have been layering and layering and layering on top of that. So just to put it back in that order of magnitude of global GDP, the amount of money that's wasted in the US healthcare system would be, I think the 15th or 16th largest country in the world, right around the GDP of Mexico or Indonesia um, is, is simply wasted. If that waste were extracted, if half of that waste were extracted, the spend per GDP or per capita would make a lot more sense. And I think would also enable a much richer environment for innovation. So there are lots of great efforts being focused on solution in all facets of the administration and uh, care delivery systems. Uh, many of you are, are already well aware of the words. So there's some repeats on here, but you know, blockchain, fire, APIs, price transparency, simplification, controlling unnecessary care, fraud detection and elimination, price controls, uh, especially based on some Medicare, Medicaid spends, enforcing fraud, waste, and abuse controls, tons of areas for simplification, and really, I think, are the backdrop for the sessions that we're going to talk about today. So why is it so hard? Um, I tell entrepreneurs, don't come to healthcare unless you've got real fortitude. And by fortitude, I mean capital support, patience, personal stamina, team cohesion, et cetera, because you'd be better off starting a restaurant. Right? It is so hard to get meaningful change and meaningful new business models off the ground in healthcare. Some of our you know, nation's biggest companies have strived and failed. Why do they get interested? They get interested because of the reasons that we've talked about. We all feel the inefficiency, the barriers, the challenges. Uh, we all think there's a great opportunity for business models to improve on that stuff. And, and why do we fail, right? We fail because it's so complex. It's so regulated. There's so much entrenched, and did I say dated, technology and infrastructure and process that's just been layered and layered and layered and layered upon. If, if you talk to CFOs or CEOs of healthcare systems around the country, you hear them almost unequivocally say, hey, we've made all these huge investments, some of them with gov government subsidy, with government mandates behind them. We made these huge investments in upgrading our backend systems. Like, why is it not any more efficient today? Uh, and the reality is it's because of all those challenges. A lot of these new solutions have been bolted on a really aging infrastructure um, and really uh, legacy systems and processes that just drastically need to be revised. So many folks do focus on healthcare, but almost as many give up eventually. It's really hard. That's, I think, what's inspiring about seeing the group of people that we've got gathered today. So why is it hard? We talked about this aged infrastructure. I mean, this this visual of a telephone line with you know uh, cable wiring and uh, utility wiring and phone wiring and all the other stuff is a good example of just a system that wasn't built to support the scale uh, and the challenges and the data interoperability and the fluidity. Now I'm translating into our healthcare system. It wasn't built to support the new models and the new uh, needs from a data perspective that our new solution providers so desperately need. If you look on the right, you see just a, a graphic um, of the OSI uh, model, the seven layers of the OSI framework. And, you know, unfortunately, what we've seen is a lot of these companies, a lot of these 
initiatives have focused really on the top, just building new applications, right? Like you can build a telehealth application uh, and it can be virtually impossible to bolt together to the billing systems and the clinical record systems and the privacy and security uh, controls that are built into every provider's backend system from a HIPAA perspective because those systems weren't really built and engineered for it. Likewise, the interoperability, the, the communications infrastructure, if you will, to maybe overuse the telephone pole reference, but the communication infrastructure and just the base levels of the physical infrastructure uh, for data sharing and for interoperability and for record movement and uh, electronic health record provision, et cetera, has just not been fundamentally upgraded. What we're talking about is a lot of systems that are very batch-based, very EDI-based, very um, very much built upon an infrastructure that was built to support one-to-one -one connectivity. Um, that makes everything we're doing. Blockchain is an exact polar opposite of that, right? And nothing you know is more contra to this old one-to-one -one infrastructure model that we have underpinning our healthcare system than a distributed ledger technology. Uh, but it's a tough, tough, tough transition. So as I said, uh, what you're working on is vital to making this system work better. The infrastructure is critical. Uh, the roadmap is there, right? We've, we've had you know, guidance from healthcare organizations, from consortiums, from industry leaders, even from our government on new models for data interoperability new models for data share, new models for patient identity, um, easier to adopt standards, security protocol. The roadmap is there, uh, but this is the trickiest treasure map of all time. I'm a big watcher of Oak Island, so if you ever wanna catch up on a, on a cool treasure, uh, treasure hunting show on TV, uh, check it out. But this is the trickiest treasure map of all time. The barriers are huge, the challenge is great, and the lure of peeling off small victories is so tempting, right? Simply finding a, a, a basic use case and making an improvement. There's so many business models to be created there, but we have to also focus uh, on the infrastructure and on the network underlying uh, everything that we're trying to do. That's what makes it so important. So really quickly, just a quick recap of uh, Avenir. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I'd give a little bit more context on the founding members that brought this uh, organization to life. Um, we are really focused on streamlining and building that OSI framework from the bottom up and constructing a new infrastructure for interoperability from the ground up. Uh, it's important because it will allow really great business models, really great solution providers to tap into this network on a one-to-many rather than a one-to-one -one deployment model. So I talked about the complexity in getting a business model off the ground. Healthcare sales cycles are generally pretty long. Uh, there's a lot of process and technology impact to be considered before a healthcare payer, provider, life sciences, durable medical equipment company, et cetera, can deploy something new. So they've got to go through that rigor in their decision process, but the implementation cycles are even harder. And if you have to do each one of those implementation cycles on a one-to-one -one basis, to enable your solutions, that's gonna to continue to be a critical barrier to success of the new business models that we need. So Avenir has been created really to help simplify that, not only for the industry, just for the payers and providers 
to more seamlessly transmit data between one another, but also to enable all of the rich solution providers that are out there from clearinghouses to revenue cycle management companies to telehealth platforms to new business models around uh, coordination of care, coordination of benefits, prior authorization, eligibility transactions, et cetera. All of that so desperately needs this new infrastructure and one connection point to tap into the industry. You should all succeed or fail if you're building new business models based on the power, the cleverness, and the uniqueness of your solutions, not based on your ability to fight through the telephone wiring uh, of the healthcare industry, not based on your ability to kind of cleverly work around the complexity of the backend wiring or the infrastructure or the process uh, that's in the way. You really need a new solution to be able to power new models and new um, capabilities in the industry. So with that, I'm super excited to turn over to the rest of the agenda. I think we've got a, an awesome day. I'm in particular really looking forward to the quantum computing piece myself, um, but also all of the in innovations around smart contracts and open source code and blockchain are especially relevant to some of the things that we've talked about. So with that, I'll turn it over to the rest of the agenda and thank you again for being part of this exciting conference.